It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. All right, this is uh, GB and Peter Cottontail on the call, a little impromptu uh, Saturday afternoon podcast. It's going to be pretty short, just going to get into some trades, maybe draft talk, maybe a little free agency, but mostly a large amount of trades that have happened so far this offseason. And Pete has uh, got six or seven trades that he wants to talk about, and we can talk about a little bit right now. So, Pete. What's trade number one? Hey, pleasure to be on. Lovely Saturday afternoon podcast uh, conduct. Um, I wrote down a couple trades. I think we're just going to jump right into it. Um, I guess the first trade that uh, I think it was one of the earliest trades of the offseason, and it was it was pretty interesting, was the trade between uh, Bobby and Mike, uh, Milwaukee and Kansas City. Um Mike acquired uh, Mike Smith, who was actually a, a comp free agent just the season before. Um, Bobby was able to get a, a first-rounder out of Mike uh, after only having a first season. So I thought that ended up working well for Milwaukee. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that one. Uh, looking at it now, I mean, it's like the perfect uh, perfect storm for Jay Maynor. Um I mean, he's in a rebuild now, and he just, I mean, that contract goes through 75. So, I mean, he'd be on the hook for a while, probably two, three years at least, of having a shitty Mike Smith trying to dump him. Um, so he gets, you know, he only has to pay him $15 million for one year, gets a good productive year out of him, then gets a pretty good future, possible future asset in a pick 19 or 20. So for for J-Main, I mean, that's a no-brainer. That's awesome. That's like the way you want it to work for you, and for for Mike, I mean, Mike is doing Mike things, so he'll probably be good the length of his contract, even if he's like a 72 overall. And uh, yeah, that's about what I got. I mean, it's good for awesome for Jay Main, and Mike is just Mike. That's all I got. Yeah, it really did work perfect for Milwaukee. Spent he basically turned 15 million and a fifth or sixth rounder into a um, middle of the round first rounder, so uh, he really worked that trade value there. Um, Mike Smith has been a good player, almost 880 OPS for his career, but uh, I'm sure that contract will be a little regrettable um, by the mid-70s. Well, what will happen is Mike will trade that contract to Corey <laughs> for like <laughs> a fifth-round pick in about three years. So I think I'm I'm relatively confident in that. <laughs> It must have been pretty hard on Mike to make a move just uh, like that, just because in his mind he's just like, oh, I could have spent, I don't know, five million more dollars and just had this guy and had my first round of this year. So that's kind of a tough bullet to bite down on. But if he feels comfortable with it, then so be it. It's kind of his mo the last uh, decade or so. Like, I mean, I don't know. I guess he usually makes these first-round trades, he usually trades the first-round pick for a dude that he's going to have for a while. That's kind of 
you know, maybe mid-20s, late-20s, they can have three, four years at least and uh, get some production out of. But, I mean, it's kind of different because Mike Smith is – how old is that guy these days? He He's pretty old, right? Like, I think he's he? like 31. Let me check. I'm going to have to look, too. Yeah, 31 on the dot. 31, so that's not too bad, I guess. I mean, he's still a 93 overall. So it's just kind of Mike's deal. That's what he does, and he's pretty good at it, unfortunately. All right. Well, I think we'll move to another AL Central move, one that involves the the wonderful NL East as well. I think we'll just jump right into your deal for uh, Ray Vizcaya. Um, I haven't looked at this one a ton. I know you gave up your first – uh, first through third rounders, if I recall right. Um, so Stangle acquired some uh, late first rounders, somewhere in the uh, mid to late 20s. He also gets Geraldo Maribel, your former right-handed first baseman, uh, former third rounder. Uh, is there anything else involved in that deal? Looks like a couple of flyers. Uh, I mean, maybe one of the better pieces in the deal is Ryan Hamby. He's a second-base shortstop dude. Um I think he's 19 years old. He has really good. He's he's one jump away from being a starting second baseman uh, right now. He's he's typical build where he's going to steal a lot of bases, get caught a decent amount of times. Um, you know, probably kind of like a Justin Abbott type dude. If anyone knows who that guy is, and he's yeah. for free if you want him. I have him right now. But uh, um, yeah, he's pretty good. Like he's really going to have to hit the lottery and uh with the jump if he wants to be any better than that, but he's probably going to be one of those dudes that's going to start in uh, in the league for 10, 12 years. So um, for me, like my justification of this, I had some reservations about Vizcaya um, just because for me, he doesn't hit a ton of doubles and Stang has a really good hitters park. So that kind of skews numbers for me a little bit. Um, but the dude's, can be elite, man. He's it's hard to get a leadoff hitter. Uh he's one of the better ones out there. He's still relatively young and whenever you can get a elite guy, it's it's hard to overpay for him. So uh that was my justification. Is he gonna be moving to center field for you? I think he's gonna stay in right field because he's been doing well there. Um I got Justin Nash who has kind of the same defensive vitals as is Vizcaya. So uh I think I'm just going to not mess with it, let him stay in right. He has a good arm. I mean, I in real baseball, that's a good thing for right field, but it probably doesn't mean much for mobile. He probably doesn't count that out. But, uh, yeah, it will just make a really good defensive outfield for me. Good. good actually, or, I, go ahead. I was going to say the Nationals had a little bit of talks on this guy around the deadline last year. I know that's sort of when Stang kind of put his rebuild into motion. Um, mm-hmm. so him and I had a couple talks on him and they didn't go super far. I think the Legionnaire went around, on the block around the same time and that sort of, uh, had more momentum than anything Stang and I put together. Yeah. I mean, dude, you got Legionnaire is like by, I think by far more valuable player than even Vizcaya just cause he's so freaking young. Four, he, years too, yeah. yeah. I mean, Vizcaya is, and I think, I, don't, I remember what you paid. You paid that pitcher and some other dudes. I mean, I think I might have gave up similar value probably to what you did. Um, maybe not the high-end pitcher. Yeah. Uh, 
it depends on the picks, obviously, but uh, I mean, that was a great trade to get Legionnaire. I mean, I wish I had him over Vizcaya, but is what it is. All right. Do you have another trade that you wanted to jump into, unless you had any more comments on Vizcaya deal? Um, I'll, I'll get into one. Uh, it was your deal, since we're talking um, about deals here. It's the deal with the uh, with the Yankees. Um, let me get up on it real quick. It was okay. Here we are. All right. So you gave up Roy Brumback. Everyone knows who that guy is. Um, 35-year-old pitcher, very productive, very good vital still. Uh, you got a first, a fourth, a fifth, $2 million cash. So really it's a first-round pick. Oh, I mean, you you do well with late-round picks, I guess, so it's better than most. But uh, first-round pick and, and some some flyers for Roy Brumbeck. Um, I like the deal for you just because whenever you can get a future asset like that for a 35-year-old, uh, I think you take it, especially with your um, numbers in the rotation. So he's expendable, from back that is. Um, he's still productive, and Eric is Mr. Uh, you know, win now type deal all the time. So um, it'll help. It'll help Eric as long as Brumback doesn't fall off a cliff soon, which you never know with a 35-year-old. But uh, I do like the deal for you. I, I like um, I like getting those picks for that for that guy. Yeah, it seems like Eric has like a nice little couple year window going on. He was just in the World Series. Uh, he lost to the Evil em- Empire. I don't think the Yankees are the Evil Empire anymore. I think the Reds is probably taking over that title. Um, Agreed. But uh, Brumback's been in the 86 overall forever, it feels like now. His vitals are still high end. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think I would have treated a pitcher like that under a contract if I didn't have sort of the rotation that I'm working with. I think Brumback. He, he was sort of flipping around my fifth starter just occasionally right now just because of the strength of my rotation. So it just made sense, uh, given the age, to get a pick out of it and some later picks. And hopefully that could happen with the later picks. Um, yeah. Brumbeck, go ahead. I was going to say, Brumbeck's been on the block for a while, and I've had offers of second, third, and fourth packages, but it just – didn't make any sense for to trade a guy like that. I didn't really care about the age. It's just like I'll hold out until I get a first involved in the deal. Yeah, I mean that's that's the big value in having uh, depth at positions. You can make those trades where it's not going to hurt you. You still give up a piece that's valuable to another team, but I mean to, to build that farm up and then continue to uh, have a good major league team that doesn't hurt you in that spot. That's that's the whole point of having depth in position, especially pitching, because pitching, everyone still needs it. It's not like having, with you, you and your love for right-handed bats, um, it's not like having Mr. Outfielder dude that's right-handed that has the 90, 80, 90 vital hitting and shitty defense, and there's like 200 of those dudes out there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty difficult to move an outfielder that's like an 86 overall in the style. People just oh, yeah. the Unless unless the guy is a leadoff hitter type with speed, or uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, or or he has crazy production for a while. Um, you're not going to get value out of an outfielder. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, get get the next get the next trade in. All right, we're just going to jump back to Atlanta because most of these huge deals of the off season are in Atlanta. And just to mm-hmm. backtrack on that. I, um, Maybe maybe I'm sick. Maybe 
my mind is just corrupt, but I, I just get a lot of joy out of watching Stang rebuild after, I think the window was like two years that he was competing. And I mean, Stang's been notorious for like the five-year window, like the really short window, but this year he's taking it really to the next level with the two-year window. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of Stang's MO is uh, is rebuild quickly and, and then go for it for a few years and and then go do the rebuild again. Um, it's I think Rocky has some influence on this one. Um, I think Stang would have maybe tried another year or two with the with the core he had. He just they just got stuck because they didn't have anything to trade. They had no farm afterward. I mean, so you're at a point where kind of at a crossroads. Um, I think with Rocky kind of in there, I think they're gonna do an actual rebuild, not jump the gun, you know, soon. But uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, he always does. I mean, he always sort of gets to a point and then he makes a bunch of big deals and sort of launches himself into, like, the second place discussion. Um, but it was just interesting. I feel like that he'll probably have three or four more, uh, three or four more years to be in the mix, and he just sort of bailed on it. But anyway, we'll jump back into another one of his trades. Um, he traded the former giant, uh, Martin Dutko, to Toronto. He got into trading a high first rounder, I believe top 10, and a third rounder for Dutko and Atlanta's fifth rounder. Okay. Um, talk about it because I'm looking for that trade right now. Yeah, so uh, Dutko is a guy. He's a guy. He's a man. He has good vitals, 94 on the control side, 94 on the movement side. Um, he had some rocky years in uh, San Francisco. He's had some good years, a couple, two, one and a half years in Atlanta. Um, he's getting up there in age. I mean, he's 31, so he probably has three or four more years left of his prime. So Atlanta could have kept him, but getting a top 10 pick for him, I mean, I think Stang's probably going to be pretty happy with that. Yeah, um, look at it now. Uh, Duckco seems like the dude that needs a team with defense. Um, he has solid vitals, you know, good kind of the number. Actually, really, his build is really what you're looking for, um, just in general. Uh, I mean, he's a good pitcher. Um, I just, I get it for, for Stang. Um, that's awesome. I mean, I, this draft looks pretty solid, especially in the top 10. Uh, to get that and then, you know, a third-round pick. I mean, it's a no-brainer for him. Um, I don't know why Corey's doing it, really. Uh, he's, I think he's just sick of his, like, 37-year rebuild that he's in, and uh, he's trying to accelerate that to be competitive. Um, and really, the AL East is actually pretty solid right now. Um, so it's I don't I don't see it making any difference for Toronto if he wins 70 games or he wins 80 games or whatever. Um, I just don't, I don't see this being (laughs) a needle mover for Toronto at all. I don't really get why he did it. It is a heavy price. I mean, at some point you sort of have to trust the stats and Duff goes with a career three, nine guy. So he's like a SP three, maybe third starting pitcher. Um, So it's sort of a hefty price for that. I'm not privy on the details of Toronto's new park, whether it's going to play well to uh, hitters or pitchers. Um, Hold it up. 
it looks like uh, looks like it's a pitcher's park, and it looks like um, he got. Well, this is a little off topic, but his fan base is plus fifty right now, so I think that's probably going to get Sanity checked down to maybe plus five, because um, plus that's, fifteen yeah, is sort of like cheat code status right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't. Just for me, man, I don't know. Like, if you don't think you, I don't know. I think it's kind of for rebuilding teams. It's just do your rebuild. Don't don't jump the gun. Don't get you know uh, complacent and just say fuck it and go for it because it's gonna burn you down the road. Probably not down the road. Probably pretty soon. And you're just gonna here in about a year or two. You're gonna try to be trading Dutco or comp him, and uh, it's just not really worth it to me for Toronto. Sorry, Corey. Yep. I'm in agreement. Uh, I guess we'll move on to another Atlanta trade since that's probably that makes up most of my list. Um, another guy that uh, I got traded to the AL East, uh, Valeri- Valerio Pushmala. Uh, he hmm. was mostly out of the pen for Atlanta. Um, guy has a career 4.67, and Stang was able to wrangle a first rounder for him. Yeah. Uh... He's been, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he had his career season last year with a 3-8 ERA. Uh, I don't know. I mean, for I mean, one, in the right direction, but uh, getting the first rounder for a pitcher like that is uh, the coup for staying. Yeah, I think I think the, the selling point was his 93 overall. Um, I, and he has good vitals, so I don't really know why he's... Yeah, I don't know why he's in his home run rates are a little high, a little high. Yeah, but I mean they're not insane, I guess. I don't. He just for some reason has never really clicked. Um, I don't know his defense. Like Atlanta, he's been Atlanta his whole career. I don't know. Atlanta's defense has been in the past probably not great. I would assume, but uh, I don't know if Boston's is either. So it's it's kind of a uh, I don't know. I, what do you do with what do you do with him in Boston's rotation? Where do you where do you who do you displace? I guess that's going to be the obvious choice. So it'll be interesting to acquire him as a relief pitcher. I mean, that'd be a hefty price to pay for a relief pitcher in addition to that. So I, I do think he's better than a four point six pitcher, um, but he's sort of going to bear that out at some point, and you think that would sort of be part of the the uh, negotiation. I realize it's not a super high first rounder. Um, Chuck seems to think he's not going to get anything better with that pick, but at some point you have to trust the stats, and he's 29 years old. Yeah, and he's going to be a free agent uh, this year. Um, so you could probably get a comp A out of him, um, right? That's the one thing. Is yeah. like if you just if you just let him let him roll through this year, just with his his vitals and his overall, as long as he doesn't just drop like crazy. You're gonna get a pro. You're probably gonna get a bit out of it. So you're gonna get a similar-ish pick, I guess, next year. Now, yep, Chuck, that is a good point. Yeah, Chuck. Chuck likes to extend dudes like crazy. <laughs> so we could see like a four-year extension from him in like four months or whenever you can extend dudes. That is very possible. But I think the smart play is let him play out his contract, and as long as he's still in the 90s, freaking comp him. Yep, so that actually does make a lot of sense now that you've brought that up. So it's sort of a 
one year prove yourself, and if he does really well in Boston, then Chuck extends him, and if not, I'm sure someone will uh, bite at those vitals for a cafe. Yeah. Look at Chuck. He's like a ninja. Yeah. All right. That's pretty damn well in Boston, pal. <laughs> All right. Uh, you have any more deals out there? I mean, we might as well go to another Atlanta one. Uh, the White Sox added Noah Ashy, Ricardo Zemez, uh, some Matt Catcher and Fernando Estera, uh, a little bit of cash, and Atlanta pulled in Chicago's first through fourth rounders. Pretty high picks there, but he did give up uh, two good pitchers in Zemez and Ashy. Uh, so Stang sort of does Stang things. He's going to own... Uh, Roughly 50% of the draft, he's going to run out of guys that he likes and uh, sort of start drafting crap. That's sort of what he does. Yeah. Um, so on the surface, like, you're like, like an executioner. You need an, I feel like a nerd saying that, but <laughs> Clips. How about we'll just say Clips? Clips, the uh, White Sox GM. Um, you're like, what are you doing? Because you're obviously, you know, big rebuild right now and he he said in the, in the trade that you know just kind of let him do his thing cuz i i assume he thinks he can flip these players for more more uh value um i don't know it's it's tough in the trade market you you better be uh patient so these guys especially in chicago like they could not put up great numbers with his defense um that park uh, and I don't know if you're you're gonna get the value that you think you are originally. That's it's kind of a it's it's a toss up. Like I guess we'll kind of have to wait and see how Ash and uh, Zimmes, who both let's see Zimmes is a free agent after this year. Ash well, was RBL eligible, so it's for me, it's a big gamble. I, I think I would have kept my picks, um, especially see the draft before you deal those picks in the top five. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think the deal is pretty even. I think, uh, I mean, Zemez is surely worth somewhere around the mid first round or so. I mean, Chicago's pick is a little bit higher than that. And then when you consider a second through fourth through for Ashy and Stero, it's the things. third overall pick. Um, so it is pretty, it's, yeah, definitely a little higher than you probably want for Zemez. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't think the value is super far off, it just you just sort of wonder Chicago needs to stick to a plan. Yeah, like for me this has kind of been the whole uh theme of the this off season. Like values aren't terrible. Just in, in a vacuum. Like, you know, that these deals are okay, but you have to look at where the teams are um in these trades. So if you're in a rebuild and you're might you think you're about to come out of it, um and you do these deals, I kind of get it if you think you're ready to compete, but a lot of these teams don't look like they're ready to compete, and they're doing these deals, and sure, they're good major league base, major league players, but how, I mean, really, does that help you? Um, it might win you six or seven, ten more games the next season or two, but okay, so you're not in the playoffs still, and now you get a worse draft pick. Um, you're paying money you're losing future assets. So, I mean, on the surface, the value might look good, but you have to really look at where these teams are at in their, in their uh, rebuild. 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if Clips sort of tries to work the trade market later on in the season or next offseason and just try to flip these guys, and uh, we'll see how he does with that. Yeah. Um, oh. Hmm. Any more trades? Uh, I think we'll keep beating the Atlanta drum again. I mean, he made another big... I know, like a staying boner right now. Um, New York traded some uh, a crappy pitching prospect, Jamie White, and a second and a third for Joaquin Regino, one of the rare former Marlins uh, pitchers that hit rock bottom as soon as he left Florida. Uh, I hear no sarcasm there. What? Who is this? Who is this traded to? Atlanta to who? Uh, New York Yankees. Oh, the Yankees. So he's giving them two fifths of his rotation. Okay. All right. So what do you think? I think it's a great trade for New York, and like like we talked about earlier, I think New York's got this little window he's working on. Uh, Regino's a proven good pitcher. Um, he gave up. Uh, let's check his name. Tom William. Uh, that guy has a fancy set of. Uh, overall in peak, but beyond that, unless he's reaching 95, I don't see him impacting a hell of a lot. In the second and the third. Yeah, I mean, I agree, actually. I think the Yankees got a really good deal on this. Um, Regino, I mean, he is still a pretty good pitcher. He might not be that ace that everyone thinks he could be, but he's still pretty good. Um, he Man, you're not you're not giving up a ton, Tom William. Yeah, I agree. He's kind of that dude that he better peak out really high, or he's just kind of a dude. Jamie White, um, has already been traded for I think cash relief, and then a second and a third that are late second and thirds. Um, yeah, I mean that's a, that's kind of a no brainer for Eric. Just that's that's a perfect deal for him. Um, I I mean Atlanta. I think this is the one time that they didn't get really good value in a deal. Yeah, I, I think Stang probably would have been better off sort of even just holding him through the middle of the year, waiting for something better to come along. But kudos to Eric. He probably puts himself in a position now that he's the pretty clear favorite for the AL East right now. I think going into the previous week that uh, Boston might have been in that spot. But I think it's pretty clearly New York right now. Yeah, I mean, because he has the hitting, um, no doubt about that. So, like that pitching, uh, he has he has some really good pitchers too. So, I mean, I don't know where this is all going to kind of fall out for him because he has a kind of a a huge stable of pitching now. He tries to put some starters at, real, at closer type spots. I mean, he got uh, no, that's another dude. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what do you what do you do? He has like eight starting pitchers now. So. Um, it's a, good problem it's a good problem to have, definitely. So, I mean, the next few years, he's going to be hard to beat in the AL. So, um, any other deals going on? What do you think? Uh, Cincinnati made a few uh, bigger ones. They uh, they sent their first rounder, so that would be 30th overall to San Diego for uh, $57 million. Um, it's, it's hard to value cash. Some people just have so much cash, it's ridiculous. So, this makes sense for both sides. San Diego, uh, they're certainly not pushing against their budget right now. Um, so they can send out a bit of cash, get their lottery ticket in the first round. 
And uh, for Andy, he gets to have that cash to really help him build a better stadium. Yeah, I think it is a good deal for both just because every team has to value cash differently. And if you're making a ton of it and then you have to get rid of it um, because of the rules every year or this or that, um, you're not looking to compete for another few years or whatever. Um, Cash isn't that important if you're not building a stadium. So while it's a huge number, um, I mean, the value, that number and value in cash is really decreased for uh, a team like San Diego and that pick, as long as you hit, you know, um, I mean, it, it is worth it. it so I, I get it for both sides on that one. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. I think I had about maybe 20th overall at some point, maybe within the last four years or something like that, that I traded for like $69 million, if, I, if I recall right. So it's basically right in line, 10 slots lower, uh, 10 or less million. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically market value at this point. Yeah, and and it's 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 a no brainer really for Dak. I mean, what's that cash going to do for him in, within the next few years? I mean, just sit there and and get spent. So, um, I get it. it. It's it's a good deal both ways. Um, that's pretty cut and dry, I think. On the other hand, uh, Andy made another deal, which sort of helps his cash cash relief a little bit. Uh, he traded Marquez to the Los Angeles Angels. And he got a top 10 pick, I believe, in the first and second round. And Ron McKeggy. Yeah, uh, this one's a head scratcher to me. Um, I don't see uh, the Angels competing at all for at least another uh, near future anyways. Um, Marquez, uh, his ERA is... Go ahead. I was going to say Marquez, he's a very sexy build, but um, you could tell Scott was getting a little uh, nervous with him after last year because when he was coming up, he was one of those prospects that if you started talking to Scott about in trade talks, it'd just be like, who's that? Scott, SXR? Yeah. Okay. Anyways. So he was one of those guys coming up and I really didn't hear that. Like, he was like an untouchable guy. And after four seasons in L.A., you could just feel like he was getting a little nervous about him and the home run issue that he has appears very real. Um, his his performance thus far has just been really mediocre. Um, so I understand sort of the, the draw of him. He looks very good, but I think L.A. probably gave up too much. Yeah, I think yeah, you, you can look at the vitals. And uh, some of the peripherals there, um, and it does look really great. It's like the exact kind of build you want to have in a pitcher. Um, he has home run issues, man. I mean, some of these dudes just get killed by home run issues. Uh, it's, it's it looks. Uh, I mean, it wasn't too bad last year, I guess. Um, yeah, but, last year in Cincinnati, absolutely. But it's still. I think. I think last season was outlier. I think. Andy kind of saw that number, that 291 ERA with 20 wins, and he's like, man, this is the best time to sell. Um, because he's not he's not a top-of-the-rotation pitcher. He's probably one of the – like a three, um, to me anyways. Uh, he's he's just about – he's through his arbitration year. He's about to be, you know, you need to sign him long-term now or let him go. So 
I don't see why a team that's rebuilding would uh, ever make this deal. Um, it, I don't. It is it. very interesting, just because if you look at the stadiums, uh, the Dodgers have a very balanced bar. Um, so it's not like the, the stadium really affected his home run numbers in a massively impactful way. So he goes to the Reds, which is a home run haven, and then he has his career year in terms of keeping the ball down. Um, so I, I agree that it's probably more of an outlier than anything. I expect he's going to go back to the Angels and sort of go back to performing like a third starting pitcher. Yeah, and he's not. It's not like he's in his early twenties. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a player that you you would expect a team that's competing to kind of fill out the rotation to to acquire. To, you know, have that solid three type uh, in the rotation. Um, that that might perform up to his vials at some point, um, but for, for a team in the Angels' position, it's just kind of like throwing your future away. I, I, I don't I don't really get it. Yeah, so it's definitely a good deal for Cincinnati. Um, from Andy's point of view, someone is going to give a first rounder for Marquez. He just has a build that is very attractive, and someone's going to look by the stats. They're just going to want him. So it's not uh, certainly not a unfair, well, it's not an unfair deal. He was going to get a first either way. Just L.A. is going to be a little disappointed, I think, with what they're getting for the price. Yeah, it's just another one of those. I mean, there's been a lot of them this year that kind of where teams at uh, in terms of competing, it's kind of a head-scratcher. Oh, it appears Andy just walked on. Maybe he wants to call in. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he... We'll see. <sighs> All right. Um, are there any other trades that you're looking at that intrigue you? That's Those are the ones I had noted down. If you have any others, feel free to bring them up. Yeah, I think uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Maybe we missed one or two, but those are the, the, the big ones anyways. Um, I guess we can move on to something else. Uh, we can move on to free agency, which is still ongoing. Um, haven't even got an update from the uh, – Agency opening up um, on Thursday night, so there's a lot of things going on that can, are still very fluid. Um, a lot of things can change, but uh, I think we've got a general grasp on uh, kind of what's happening right now. What do you think? Does any one or two things kind of draw your mind at all? Uh, I think one of the the biggest headlines going into the the initial free agency file is definitely the compensation type A for Josh Vaught uh, by Philadelphia. Um, I don't think a lot has to be said here. He's just simply a guy that had no chance of getting type A. I'm not even sure he would have gone type B. So, Philly's going to be getting him back to year 16. Yeah, I mean, I I just actually just looked at him. Um, I haven't even looked at him since agency was open. But, uh, yeah, that's that's not a good one. I mean, maybe – even with those vitals, if you were a 92 or 93, maybe someone bites just because of the overall. And I get that because Philadelphia has so much money, um, so much cash, not spending it all. Um, take a chance. Why not, really, um, to get a to get a first-round pick? But uh, in this case, uh, I mean, it's, it doesn't look great. But I can't hate on him too much because it's not like he's hurting for uh, for cash. So... Maybe some uh, 
some there's been guys in the past that have been confident. I'm like, what is going on? And these dudes get bids, so you never know. And especially in a situation where you can afford to take on a two-year contract for 18 million, why not give someone's dumb? Yep, I, I've definitely been surprised by free agency before, and I'm sure I will be again. But uh, yeah, so I think I'll be back with Philly either way. Um, we can mm-hmm. sort of start with some of the free agency big fishes. Um, I think probably the, the biggest three are probably Brad Weil, who's comp A from Milwaukee. Prescott Anderson was a type B who's getting into a bidding war. Uh, he most recently played for the Angels, and probably my own Nat Macy, his first baseman, is probably one of the other big names on the free agency market right now. Um, all three of those are sort of getting into bidding wars. The uh, Baltimore right now has the winning or the highest bid on Wild, three years, $22 million. So that's not super out of whack yet. Um, we'll see if that sort of goes into the stratosphere. We've seen free agent bidding go a little bit more crazy than that. Um, Baltimore has a bid? What's that? Baltimore has the winning bid right now in Wild. Yeah, so huh. the deal with Wild is pretty interesting compared to the uh, the starting pitching market that we just talked about with the trades. We we just saw a couple of starting pitchers that maybe have a, a pretty overall um, go for first rounders, whereas Wild's out there. Uh, the contract right now isn't totally asinine. They they should probably be throwing their hats in that ring and trying to keep their first rounder because Wild is definitely a good pitcher. Yeah, I mean, Wild confuses the shit out of me because, I mean, he does have a typical control movement type build, um, good ground ball rate, no real pitches that stand out, but they're all average-ish. Um, so I don't know. Like, he his home run rate, I guess, is, is pretty good. So that's kind of what his calling card is because his numbers are pretty solid. I, I just, I guess he pit, for me he pitches above his means, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, why not? Three year deal is not going to kill you usually. Um, why not go for a guy like that then uh, then, then give up your future? Um, and Prescott Anderson, he's interesting. Um, he has solid vital still. Um, that's crazy because he was what he was a uh, eighty five or so overall. Yeah, he, he went down, and then he got a very strange jump back into the 90s. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what to think. That's very unusual. That's weird, and then I don't think his vitals jumped. I think he's just kind of one of those weird glitchy things for mogul. Because I've had guys do similar things to that, where their vitals barely jump up, but you get five or six uh, peak points. Um, so it just makes I them mean, attractive in general. Awful. But a thirty-something-year-old getting a a jump of six overall is very strange. Like, yeah, one or two overall, but six overall is very strange. That's funky. Yeah, that's real funky. Um, and I think that's helped him uh, kind of get to where he's he, he's pitched well the last few years in uh, LA. So you can't take that away from him. Um, his home run rate's a little concerning, but his OBA is is great. I think that's kind of helping him out. Um. I don't know. He scares me. Like, <laughs> I could easily see him just being average at best wherever he goes next. Um, I don't know what his what his uh, what his numbers are right now for the contract currently. 
Uh, uh, let's see here. This three years, fourteen mil. So neither wide. It's not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Neither contract offer right now is asinine. But if I had to bet my money, I'm pretty sure both of those guys will uh, get into some questionable money by the time they're signed. Oh, and on a random note, Maddie starting up his his typical uh, bid on my minimum contract, guys. I'm glad I can put them out there for you so you don't have to spell their names. Anyways, all right, so... Just be glad it's not the undrafted uh, free agent, period. Do what? I said just be glad it's not the undrafted free agent, period. Oh, I know. I don't mess with him on that. He's the king. Um, I'm sure <laughs> Andy, like, wants to kill him every year. But, yeah. uh, all right, who's the other dude that you were talking about? Um, other Oh, yeah, your, your guy, Macy. Yeah. He's, like, he's like the poster child for... Uh, Peter hitting. Um, let me see him real quick. Of course, he's a right-handed bat, first baseman. Um, pretty solid vials. Looks like a decent fielder. Um, great year last year. Awesome year. Career year, which was convenient. Um, I guess you could play him at third base and see what kind of happens. I get, maybe that's kind of the appeal to him. Someone just kind of wants to take a chance and play him at third base. He's, uh, he's had some time at third base. He, he's serviceable. He's not someone you want to really rely on there. But, I mean, if you need to get by for a couple of times, he can hold it down and not be complete garbage. Yeah. And it was, I thought it was interesting. I mean, the 93 peak, of course, helps out. Um, but I think it's interesting is that you comp ate him and then you bid on him a couple of times. So what's, what's the thinking there? You just think you get him at a cheaper rate? Uh, yeah, during the re-signing period, he was asking for five years, 25, and I, and I kind of thought about doing that because um, my budget's a little bit better now that I have a stadium over the last few years, but I didn't really want to have him at 38 years old at $25 million. I really wanted to have him two years, 16. I was really just hoping he would sign back with me, mm-hmm. um, but it's something I just kind of need to say, would I rather have someone else in my lineup along with the 31st overall pick? Or would I rather have Macy? So uh, I'm not sure if I'm done with Macy yet, but uh, right now You're I'm done probably Macy. right now I'm probably leaning towards just uh, making something else happen with my DH and having that 31st overall pick. Yeah, it's not a bad thing because really uh, the market's kind of flooded. You can find some value um, at a at a good rate for a, a DH type player. I mean, just yeah. do a little due yeah. diligence. You know, dig a little bit, and there's going to be a guy out there for you. But uh, yeah, I thought about replacing that with uh, Mike Newbridge from uh, he was most recently with uh, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's sort, of, he's sort of getting three-year offers at this point. I'm I'm pretty concerned that he's uh, his vitals chart sort of looks like it's gonna have he's he's a candidate for a mid-season drop this year. So I don't really want to have two years after that. Plus, Eric just bid on him, so you're done. I mean, you can put throughout five years, $50 million, he's going to upbid you by a couple. So it's pointless at this at this juncture, I would say. Eric's going to get his guy no matter what. Um, but, yeah, it is intriguing. It's, it's not – I wouldn't say it's a banner year for, for uh, comp guys. There's no, like, star out there. There's no really good player that just could really help you out. It's just kind of a, a lot of hoping. I would say a lot of hoping that they can just plug and play type guys that can be average to above average players. I don't really see anyone out there that's going to really be a star 
you yeah. see anything like that? Most of the guys that I was interested in, they, they've sort of been outbid of, of the value range that I'd be looking at. So in terms of what free agency is going to do for me personally, it's just going to be a couple depth guys on my end, which isn't uh, sort of out of the norm for me. But is there any guys for you that uh, are going to be headed to Detroit? Any big names? Um, I really, right off the bat, I was, because uh, I had a big hole at third base and uh, second base really. Um, will be a big hole pretty soon. So I was I was interested in uh where is he at? Where is he at? Third base for Tampa. Um Duncan. Yeah. yeah. So like you know, I think he might have overperformed a little bit hitting wise in Tampa. But uh I still I still liked him. Uh he would've he would have been a plug and play type of dude that on a short term contract I'd be happy with. Um, he's going to get to defense no matter what and not be a black hole. So I was, I was really looking at him for a fit. Um, I just think Miz, Miz with a three-year deal kind of put it out there a little farther than I wanted to be. Um, I, I wanted to say it too. So that hurt me, but I mean, there's no, there's no guy that, that I'm really just excited about. I'm, I'm trying to get a lot of relievers, but my God, getting the free agent reliever market, man, <laughs> it's hard because average guys that could be terrible for you very easily get paid. So, like right now, I'm just looking. I'm I'm after a guy named Charlie Scanlon, who pitched for uh, the White Sox last few years and was terrible. But he has some numbers that might make him look better in certain situations. And G just bid two years, four million. I know that's not crazy, but you get like three or four of those guys and it's going to take up $20 million of your contract of your budget that are just shit. So they add up and most of the time they end up in triple a. Yeah. A lot of them do because they do, they have those vitals that are just iffy and, and very easily can, can not be very good for you. So that's tough. But uh, just in general, I think for agency this year is sim- pretty typical. I'd say maybe not, what one high end guy that sometimes out there, but uh, yeah, I think probably it's, no, uh, just a notch below average for me. Um, just to jump back to Kidner for a second, you're really paying for defense there. I mean, the offense yeah. is, is all right, so you're not gonna write home about his defense. It is interesting, his defensive history, um, his fielding percentage at, at second baseman at second base is pretty sky high, but his uh, I know defensive wins can be a little. Uh, sketchy at times, but it's well below average for his uh, defensive win. So I, I wonder what kind of mogul fuckery is uh, happening hmm. there. Uh, either way, he's pretty damn good at third. My guess is all that time in Florida. Um, I know he's that hoagie started him early in Florida, and he was brutal. Um, yeah, like minus thirty-two, minus twenty, minus fifty-two in a season, but uh. I mean his his errors and his I know his percentage was is pretty tough. I think it's just kind of this Hokey probably had a really uh, fly ball type staff that yeah. around there because he he tends to have those guys that have high power and 25% ground ball rate. Um, I think I think this is my thought and I'm probably wrong because I don't really know what the hell's going on. But uh, I think if if you have those those low ground ball guys pitching staff and you have your infield DRAA is going to look shitty no matter what. And just the opposite. If you have a high ground ball pitching staff, 
your outfield, even if it's really good vital-wise defensively, that that number is going to be bad. So I think it's just more on the pitching staff than his actual vitals. Yeah, trying to analyze some defensive uh, players' abilities really a pain in the ass because no one really wants to take the time to figure out what is this team doing, why why does the stats look like this? It's it's sort Mm -hmm. of a pain. Yeah, I think it's just what makes Mogul good because there's not a definitive answer. You just kind of have to go with what you think and and uh, go with that. So, um, but it is what it is. Um, Free agency pretty unremarkable in a nutshell. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about at all, just in general? Uh, right right on the back of you talking about Charlie Scanlon, he gets another bid from G-Money. G-Money just being a dick. Oh, Andy's on, by the way. Oh, Andy. he's on the call? I think so. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. I think you just call in. He said he's on the you call to, on... Uh... You have to unmute him. Oh. Yeah, I'm retarded. Just a sec. Um, now I can talk. Oh, well, I didn't even do anything. So I don't know why. Oh, but the chat said that you unmuted me, so oh, I probably well did it. All right then. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> what are you? What's going on, Andy? Not too much. I just popped back in. We had taken uh, my son to a soccer game, um, and we were coming back, and saw there was a pod going, and Pete said I should call in, and Got nothing else going on, so I said, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just kind of a little impromptu Saturday afternoon deal. Um, not going to be too long of a pod. I think we're really wrapping it up at this point. So uh, That's what it anything, like. on your, anything on your mind specifically at all? No, not really. I have no idea what you guys have talked about so far, but it's been a pretty busy offseason, I can tell you that. I'm putting a lot yeah. of stuff in the file. Yeah, we, we I think the majority of, of this pod was on trades. Um talked a little bit about agency right now and then we're kind of in an in-between point where we're just kind of talking about whatever is on your mind but if, if you have any thoughts on on you know how what the movement was and why that happened this off season, how much it was going on uh you know, i have no idea all i know is that the al looks like it's going to be really competitive from from the outside here um you got You've got you've got Minnesota being aggressive. You've got the White Sox were aggressive. You've got um, Los Angeles has been aggressive. Toronto's been aggressive. Um, and you still have Boston, New York, and Tampa in the East as a factor. Um, even Baltimore is aggressive in free agency right now. Um, so at this point, I would almost look at it and say, are there any rebuilding teams in the AL at all? Texas? Is that maybe it? I hope so. <laughs> I think that might be the only true rebuilding team in the in maybe Seattle. I know Seattle's trying to sell off some pieces. I think the Angels as well are still in that realm. Which one? Hmm? Angels. Yeah, well, but they picked up um, a couple of different pieces, and they've got Kevin Webster and Victor Ramirez coming up this year. I, I think not- in, in, the, in the big scheme of things, all this does, is lower the overall wins for some of the bigger top top tier teams in the AL, um, probably just because it's going to be more competitive. But I love that all these rebuilding teams in the AL are just kind of going for it right now because I think it burns them and they're going to be back in a rebuild here in two or three years. <laughs> so that makes me happy because I think it, maybe they'll win 82 games or 76 games instead of five or six less. But uh, and maybe. 
maybe the top tier teams, the Yale, will win, you know, less than than they usually would. But I think it's just gonna kind of nuke their chances down the road of uh, competing long term. It'll so, be interesting to see. I'm, go ahead, Pete. Oh yeah. So while on the topic of uh, Minnesota, I think we we overlooked while well, during our trade discussion. We, I think we totally missed the. Uh, Joel Tice trade, so if Andy maybe wants to chime in on the Tice trade, that'd be good to jump back there. Yeah, mm. I I, mean, I thought it was interesting. I don't love Tice. I think I've said that um, on the pods before. I I don't love Joe Tice. I think he's all right. But when you look at Minnesota, they have some pretty interesting pieces in that lineup. Um, Tom McElveen, um, Andy Zavoda, um, Beasel, Tice, that's a pretty nasty middle of the order, if nothing else. Um, and then you've got, you know, Jeff Holiday coming up. You've got Randall Burt, who he requ- uh, acquired, who's a pretty good catcher. Um, there's – that's a pretty decent lineup. And the two pitchers he got from um, Milwaukee are pretty good pitchers. I mean, McKibben isn't going to be sexy with the overall, but he's a pretty effective pitcher if you put him behind the right defense. And Joe Schultz, same thing. They're not world beaters, but, you know, they're, they're solid middle-of-the-rotation guys. I thought it was an interesting – aggressive move and it's not like he doesn't have lots of prospects because Minnesota is still loaded in their farm system so spending a little bit of capital on some pretty young players doesn't strike me as a real bad move on their part now that said they made that trade before we found out what the draft class looks like and the draft class this year looks really good at the top Um, so they may regret it but they got some good pieces in return for me I, I, I think it's a lot of good pieces I think the fit kind of comes into question for me. Um, like you said, with the defense, I don't see the infield defense right now. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. Sancosa, third base, would be good, but what's the middle infield looking like? Um, with Tice probably playing? I don't know. I don't know if he, what his plan is, but uh, just looking over at it quickly, I don't see the infield defense that's going to really help the Pitching staff that looks like it could be promising, but needs good defense to be successful. Yeah, so so Bobby and I talked about this trade uh, briefly, and I really loved this trade uh, for Minnesota's side. Um, I'm I'm not particularly fond of either McKinley or Chapman. I think both of them are probably pitchers, but they're not super high end. Uh, I don't think it'd be something you're you're really you're trading Joel Tice, um, whether Andy loves him or not. He's got a lot of value. I would expect a lot better back. Um, between the second and third, two pitchers, none of those are spectacular. So you're really talking about sort of like 11th overall pick for Tyson, and, and that doesn't do a lot for me either. I get that. I think in, um, I think in this draft, I, mean, I think they have the ninth pick, and I think that is still a really valuable selection. So, I mean, J-Main came away from this in pretty decent shape. Um, but I think it's a good trade for both sides. I mean, Milwaukee got some real high leverage picks and a couple of nice prospects, and um, I think they may have done a little bit better if J-Main had broken up those players a little bit, but I don't know for sure on that. I mean, if he had maybe taken Schultz out of the deal, maybe he would have gotten something kind of kind of spicy for him by himself and still might have gotten a comparable deal for just Tyson McKibben, but... Um, I like what Minnesota's doing. They have pieces. They have enough where I don't think they're crazy for trying to supplement a few spots. They do need to fix the infield defense. You're absolutely right about that. Their second-base shortstop is a bit of a mess right now. But they've got 
they've got some talent, and they've got talent coming in the next season or two that it's worth investing in a guy like Tice who's still only, what, like 27 years old, something like that? Yeah, 27. So it's not like these guys are going anywhere. He acquired pieces that will probably be in Minnesota for four or five years. So I, I think it did make sense for both sides. It's, yeah, it's, I think Minnesota, it's a lot better uh, situation to do that kind of thing than for me, like the Angels, I don't get it. The uh, Cubs, I really don't get it. Um, yeah, I didn't get the Cubs one. Uh, let me see. I mean, the White Sox, but, I mean, Clip said that he has, you know, he thinks he can get value out of those pitchers later, so we'll have to wait on that. But uh, I, I don't know. I, for Minnesota, yeah, you you know what? I hope he's not – I hope – what's his name? Pikachu? Jesus. Yeah. I hope he <laughs> – I hope he doesn't listen to this because if he gets really good defensive shortstop second baseman, I mean, he could he could do something, you know? I mean, he really could. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, – see, first, and maybe this is me being a little bit biased because – I've traded with the Angels a lot here in the last week or so. But I I get the Angels' plan. I think it's not a bad move. Um, Kevin Webster, for one, is going to win an MVP award. At some point in our file, he will win an MVP award. Um, and then you look at LA's AAA, um, Scott Denny's, um, Scooter Thomas, Ross Davis, Jeff Hainsworth. You've got a bunch of guys that are going to be coming up in the next year or two that look like pretty damn good players. So the core for Los Angeles is close, and Victor Ramirez already looks like a fucking stud. Um, and now you add Marquez to be that number two starter, and that's a pretty solid combination. Now, I don't know where the rest of the depth is going to come from, but um, Brent Hot is not a ter- – well, he probably isn't going to be very good, but he's not terrible. But he's got some, he's, he's, he's got some <laughs> options, at least, to, to play around with. So, I, you know, Will Street is a nice-looking player, too. But what? Pete is muffling might, around. And Will Street, Will Street the, the, the pitching prospect, doesn't look bad either. So maybe it was a year early for Los Angeles. Maybe I could see that argument. But that team is is coming soon, and they've got some real high-end talent on that team. Um and until yeah, so, Oakland shows that it wants to compete with Houston, because Fred's kind of sitting on his hands the last uh, week or so, um, I don't blame Los Angeles for trying so. to jump in there. <laughs> what was that? I said I Fred's been sitting on his hands for the last 10 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't blame Los Angeles. Like I said, if you have Webster and Ramirez and a couple of those other guys, you've got at least the beginnings of a – of a team that can compete. But Pete, I, I understand I, – I don't understand the Cubs at all. I don't know if you guys talked about that one. That move, yeah, I didn't understand at all. That. We're sad. Yeah, that one That one I don't get. Cliff Holly's a good player. It's, it's, it's In a vacuum, that's a good value in that trade if, if you're a competing team, but he's not even close, so I don't know. Well, and I don't think much of – three of the four players that he got. Well, then you really hate it, so there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Cassette and Crothers, I mean, Cassette's all right, but he's not great. And Crothers, Crothers really couldn't give away for like four seasons. Uh Yeah, he tried. When you can't get a comp out of it, yeah. Yeah. And Lowry's like the poster child of everything I hate about a mogul player. He's a perfect um, Pete player, really, is what he is. He is, right. I, I encourage Pete to acquire him. <laughs> he probably will in about 
seven years <laughs> for a fifth round pick. So Pete, we've we've done the unimaginable. We've made you quiet for the past minute or so. So what do you have to say? I was uh, I got a little caught up in the, uh, the Houston LA thing. Um, LA obviously does good pieces with Webster and stuff like that, but accelerating that to sort of bash your head against the wall with Houston right now doesn't seem like the uh, the brightest thing. I, I'm not one to uh, sort of play the game in a way that I'm making my decisions based on what other teams are doing, but at, at some point you have to consider it at least, and Houston really has that unlocked. Yeah, I, I think in that division in general, um, there's just a lot of flux going on. I mean, you don't know what Seattle's doing. Oakland is kind of just is there, and he could be, you know, I think he's a solid wild card type team maybe for the next few years. Um, but for me, it all came down to, I just don't, I'm not that big on Marquez. Um, he looks fancy. He kind of checks all the boxes that you like. Um, I think Pete and I talked about this a little earlier. He, he seems to be like a three type to me um, and to give the value. Now, was this before the draft? It was a trader. It was after. So he knew the draft. So yeah, he, him yeah, he did. That, that's, that's tough for me. Um, to, to, for me, I feel like he's, you're, you're getting a good middle of the rotation pitcher. Um, but I think he's a little better than that. I wouldn't call him an ace. I, I would I would agree with that. I wouldn't call him an ace. I think he's a number two. I mean, I think I showed last year what he's capable of if you put the right kind of team behind him. Um, and I, I think you can expect that from him if you if you put a, a good fielding team behind him. Um, I would, I, you know, I think LA may have gone a year early on what they're doing, but one thing they have the option of doing here in the next year or two is continuing to throw cash at whatever they want to keep adding assets because they're going to have cash in droves um, for at least the next two or three years. So they might be able to do this. And then when you factor in the, that they may have Seattle and Texas to beat on, um, they may be looking at having a real good shot at a wild card while the other two divisions are beating on each other. Um, they may have an advantage in that sense, because I would agree Houston's still the top dog um, in that division. But Yeah, I, I'll say this too. I, I like that teams are going for it. You know, I mean, I, I, I talked a lot of shit actually in the last hour probably, and on, I feel like in a rebuild, you, it kills you to go early, to, to try to jump the gun. But uh, it's better than, than holding back and, and being in a 15-year rebuild or this or that. It makes the league more exciting, the- trades and all that. Right. You want to win. That's a, that's a general – I mean, you want to win, so I, I get it. Well, I'll say this. I mean, the, the AL will have way better balance than the NL. The NL is going to have a bunch of really shitty teams, um, really, really shitty teams. Um, between Florida, Philly, probably the Cubs – um, throw Milwaukee in there, San Diego, San Francisco. They're going to be they're going to be some messes on the NL side. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be haves and have-nots. Um, they're definitely going to be in, even counting out your Reds. There's going to be a lot better records <laughs> than the AL because yeah, yeah, like there's going to be a lot lot higher floor in the AL than the NL. But uh. It's interesting. It's interesting that the way it cycles. Like, I mean, this year just kind of all happened at once where all these rebuilding teams are going for it, and you didn't expect it. 
like I did not expect it anyways. And uh, it makes the league very much more uh, intriguing, I would say. So, yeah, I mean, when we look at the fact that the league got four being a seller was absolutely awful where you couldn't find anybody to take any piece you were trying to move. And now all of a sudden in one fell swoop, we have like, you know, half of the American League deciding it's time to go all in. So it's been really interesting to see. And for a team like, you know, Stane got really bailed out. Well, even look at like the second half of last year. He was trying to sell off his entire team for most of the 2069 season and no one was buying in. All of a sudden, the off season, and there was like a light switch got flipped, and then he he was selling his stuff left and right, and I yeah he I got, don't understand it. Perfect storm for staying in Rocky. I mean, because first of all, they made a lot of these trades before the draft class came out, right? And and then they and then the draft class came out, and like the top fifteen picks look really good. So and then now he he's got all these picks. Rocky's a good drafter. Stang's a good drafter. Pete. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's like the perfect storm because, I mean, this is the perfect time to be doing this, this, this rebuild because it was going to happen a year or two from now anyways, and to get yep. this great draft and, and all these, all these teams wanting veteran players. It's just, I mean, you can't ask for anything better if you're mm-hmm. Atlanta. Just, yeah, just no, to add something to that, um, no matter how many picks you get, I mean, you're just going to run out of guys that you, you're really interested in. So I'm, I'm not in love with the strategy of having 30 picks in the draft. Just at some point, you're going to be picking guys you don't like, and you're not going to find trades to trade out. So you're just going to be sort of stuck with guys. You're like, ah, I don't know about this guy. And it just doesn't really pan out the way you hope. I agree, but look a little deeper with Atlanta right now. Like, they have, I think, the t- Second, third, and now sixth pick in the draft, which, I mean, in this draft, that's freaking amazing. Um, now I was going to say that. Late... Yeah, yep, that's sorry, like a dream. But uh, yeah, well, like they're they're making a smart move. They're consolidating some of those lower picks, like Pete is saying, where you just have you have number more than um, than value, and they're turning some of those lower picks into higher value picks. And if I were Atlanta, that's exactly what I would do in this draft cash in all those second, third, fourth rounders and just load up on first-round picks. Because chances are you'll have plenty of first-round guys you want. Um, it's once you get that third round, you're like, oh, I don't have anybody anymore. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and especially in this draft where I think it's people get caught up in this deal where, like, the top end of the draft is really good sometimes. When that happens every one out of every six, seven, eight years or whatever, like, that doesn't make the second round awesome. That doesn't make the third round awesome. That doesn't make the last part of the first round awesome. It's just those teams that have those top 10, 15 picks. And uh, he, he, I mean, he staying in Rocky really cast in on that part. And they, they still have a lot of value on their team that they can trade next year where they can get picks as well. I mean, they, they, yep. they still got some pretty good value. So I think they're holding back some dudes and, that that you know that aren't going to drop and may even increase their value to where it's just I mean it's it's a dream rebuild start for them. Yeah, really, I, I can't remember the last time somebody had that this good of a draft and got this lucky in terms of when everybody started you know decided to start buying. Oh yeah, that, yeah. staying in general 
get to lucky with that, I think, for some reason. Like, whatever, <laughs> like whenever I, yeah. you know, GV and I have talked about this, but negotiating with Stang is, it reminds me of negotiating with Chris, our new Philly GM sometimes. <laughs> and for me, yeah. that is like, like pulling my eye socket, my eye out of its socket with my fingernails. Like, it's just the worst thing in the world. Um, and so I don't know how sometimes he gets people to agree to a trade because when I ask him about somebody, I'm like, good Lord, you want my second-born child along with this offer. So, um, but kudos to him. He's found lots of people that have that have agreed to deals with him, and they've unloaded most of their talent for some really good value. So, my God, sometimes that guy gets lucky with that. You know, that's actually interesting that you make that point because he does, when he does his, his annual sell-off, he gets, <laughs> when he has like six or seven first-round picks, they usually are strong drafts. So maybe I'm going to have to like think, strategize, and when I know that he's selling off, really go all in on that draft. <laughs> Join in the draft same year. comes out. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. There's, in fairness, I don't that. think staying sell-offs are annual. They seem to be what, like every three or four years? We, we, we see another tear down and build up. Yeah. Yeah, we let off this pod pretty early with talks of that. This time around it was a two year window, which was very I mean, Stang usually goes through uh four or five seasons maybe. This one was especially short. Yeah, I think I think Rocky has a lot to do with that. Um and I would I would I would I wish I had some kind of bot that I could just listen to their or see their PCs <laughs> to when like because <laughs> I know there's there's some interesting conversations in there where, you know, I think they're pretty different GMs to the point where uh, I would just, I'd be intrigued. I would just like to see what's happening there. Man, I might have to, not, now you have me tempted to go into like the admin panel and see if I can change a password <laughs> and, get in there yes. and steal a PM or two from, from them and just be like, here guys, you're going to, you're going to love this. I'll just send it to everybody else. And they'll be well, the thing, yeah. The thing is, like, like behind the curtain. Yeah, exactly. I had I had Rocky is is my co GM for a while, and we agreed on a lot of things. And I still got I, I'm sure he's going to listen to this, but we I still got probably two to three PMs a week, and that seems <laughs> like a lot. To, I don't get a lot of PMs, so like you know, I look at you look at your my PMs, and I have like 90% Rocky, and with Aunt, or Andy with uh, staying. My God, I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe they write letters to each other, or they got each other's phone numbers now, so it's easier. But uh, <laughs> I know back in the day, John and Bukiet used to have like Skype sessions or something like that, plotting their their team moves. Like, why does it have to be? You have to see each other's face. Uh, apparently, that's what they did. I don't really know. <laughs> they did. Maybe just. You can tell by someone's facial expressions how they truly feel. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, um I mean I think we're about wrapping up here. Uh any just general comments? I know Andy that you're gonna have you I'm sure you guys will have a pod where you talk about the Hall of Fame class because it's not even set yet. Um I, you'll do that. I have no idea. That that hasn't been as consistent lately just because it's so much harder to to do <clears throat> for me. Um, but I think you may want to wait to wrap this thing up because you have, I think, um, G-Money trying to call in. And Maddie may also actually be, like, working on the line also, I think. Oh, shit. I'm not even by my computer, so I can't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Maddie's been, like, st- 
stalker <laughs> like in the window lurking for about thirty minutes now. Oh Maybe. yeah, I have him. Uh, I have him on mute. <laughs> oh, there. I think you're unmuted now. Open oh, then guess that. And I think G Money just called in also. I'm yep. I'm learning this as we speak. Um, I unmuted Maddie, but I haven't unmuted Guest Ten, who I guess is G. I'm trying to unmute you now. Matt. Yep. There we go. All right. <laughs> What's up? There, there's the uh, host with the mostest. What's up, man? <laughs> I don't know. I'm coming out of retirement, I guess, just for I don't know some sort of five minute rant at the end of this podcast. How did the show go? I think it was smooth. I mean, Pete and I, it was like Pete and I's little, just a baby that, you know, spontaneous baby that we had. And I think it it wasn't terrible. Yeah. So there it is. We'll leave it up to the league whether y'all should have taken birth control or not. That's that's a subject for a different time. This call now feels like a CNN political panel where there's like 12 <laughs> people in it and we're going to have a hell of a time figuring out whose turn it is to talk. Yes, the the the, the lovely CNN like political the political panels where it's 11 Democrats and literally the craziest Republican they could find is probably Jeffrey Ward. <laughs> right, where they have to have the camera paying back like three and a half miles so they can take in the whole set and show everybody who's on it. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like. Although Maddie is apparently going to just keep working, so we saw him in the bushes, and he's just going to stay out there. From what I understand, uh, he doesn't want to actually join in. This sounds this sounds incredible. This is this is the most Matt. This is arguably the best use of Maddie in the history of the podcast. <laughs> Everybody has a mental image right now of what that looks like, too. That's that's art. Yes. <laughs> Damn. Should we all share what our mental image looks like? Because that would be fun, I think. Of Maddie, <laughs> you know, it would be. I think that would be in general a good. Because I have a mental image of a lot of you guys. Like I, I, I know what some of you look like, but uh, I do have a mental image of like how some of you guys look, and that would be interesting to <laughs> compare, I guess. Your your mental image of me, GB, is like some sort of sentient Hawaiian shirt. I know what you like. Look not like, even a person. I know, but even then. <laughs> Like I'm more shirt oh. than man. I you you kind of like you kind of surprised me with your hair because it's just kind of uh it's just there. I don't know how to explain it. It's very uh what? like a brunette Johnny Bravo. I'm not I mean, maybe I don't I can't describe it. It's very intriguing to me. Like I want to see if it moves, touch it. I don't know. It kind of looks like one of the Jersey boys. Kind of looks like one of the Jersey boys put on a Hawaiian shirt for their performance instead of like those bad 1960s clothes. Kind of the vibe I get. <laughs> it's, it's not incorrect. It's a little. It's a little less. It's a little less greasy. I'll say a little less greasy, but not not completely bereft of grease. Look at you using words like that. You did spend very good time in Texas. Are you still in Texas? Still there, yeah. Until until uh, May. Ooh. Okay. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm gonna put this out there, but I will be in Dallas in March. Come to Dallas. Okay. Depending on okay, depending on who I can get to come, uh, who I can get to actually get me up there. Yeah, sure. It does depend on what weekend there. it is. I will drive. You, I will pick you up. But I you I will, will come. Take you you. Will, you will not take me back. You'll just abandon me in Dallas. 
Well, I would want that is a recipe for disaster. No, I mean I I'll, I'll pick you up and take you there, and then we I'll have a place to stay for you. But I, my, my yeah, I under- back. I don't. I want to go back. <laughs> I understand. There and this and that. I, I'd be worried, George. I would be very worried. <laughs> I, I'm so I'm somewhat concerned. I, I'm worried that he's not going to take me back because. He'll shuffle me into the other unmarked grave that, that he that he has set out for me and Harold when we hang out with him. <laughs> Harold, dude, Harold can't talk because I went to New Orleans a couple of years ago, and I talked to Harold. I'm like, hey, man, I'm like 10 minutes from you. Oh, blah, blah. You know, nope, not happening. So, see, see, he has, not going he has to no excuse. He has no excuse because, like, because if he's 10 minutes away, that's not exactly, like, pushing things away. I live four and a half hours from Dallas. Are you where are you at? Are you southeast, San- west, north? Uh, it'd be I guess southwest, uh, southeast. Oh so, God! Okay. Like San- okay, so, better. I live I live like thirty minutes south of Austin. Oh, I'll get you. Yeah, I'll pick you up. It's not impossible, but it's just a pain in the ass. Is, is all well, I'm saying. I mean, Dallas to Austin is like a fucking you want to kill yourself, and it should be like a thirty minute drive, but it ends up being three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If it, it ends up being three hours if you're lucky and going 85 miles an hour the entire time. But I will go. Which I'm sure you I are. Will, I'll pick you up in the middle of the night. Like a fucking thief in the night. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm, Anyways, I, we'll talk about I, this I later. <laughs> I feel like so, we should uh, definitely yeah. keep this recording for the police later when they ask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just in case so. George goes missing. Look. Uh, local San Marcos nutcase never found. Ties blame to. <laughs> Anyways, all right. What do you, you what you call in for? What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I just didn't know. I actually didn't hear the context immediately from what we're talking about. I think we're gonna. I, I do think that we made an actual humdinger of a trade. Uh, so I want to hear Andy's thoughts on who won the recent trade between uh, Detroit and New York. Um, I thought. I, I like both guys in the deal because you were talking to me about Iacona in, a, in another deal we had kind of danced around a little bit. Um, yeah. So I like Iacona and I like Pierce. I mean, both of those guys look like they're going to be pretty similar pitchers. So I think it was a pretty fair deal for both sides and I get it. G, or, um, Maddie, uh, no, sorry. There's so many people on the call right now. I'm losing track of who I'm trying to talk to. <laughs> Um, GB doesn't need um, Iacona right now, and he doesn't need Pierce right now, so he gets a chance to you know, keep the keep the thing going for a while. So I get it, and I think Pierce helps you a lot um, uh, in New York yeah. because it gives you a legit second guy along with Houston to to be a pain in my ass. So, yeah, I, I think if he if he develops well, he'll definitely be the number two. I may put him in the three slot to start the year behind Yelly. But um, you know, I think he's a good fit, like right at that part of the rotation. And I, and like with Icona, I just, I just right this year or for the next couple of years, I think like putting him higher than four or five might be stretching it. Now, as long as we're going to talk New York Mets um, um, <laughs> decision making, I'm curious about something. At uh-uh. some point in the in the Questall conversation, did you at any point consider giving him like a one year deal, and then hoping he had just like a a fucking not Superman year next year and resign him. Was that ever a uh, consideration? It, it was. It was a consideration. So the tough part was he was asking for 
he was asking for five years for 21. And he, there was only so much lag room, like, that I could put in. Like, when you're going back from five years to one, they usually yeah. expect a pretty significant spike. Uh, I considered, I considered uh, signing him to a one-year deal and then type A-ing him. Uh, but I settled on the two-year deal because I just said to myself, um, even if he, like, even if he declines a bit in the meantime, and if he does, I can probably resign him to a lower number anyway. I can survive with two years at that particular number. You know, twenty-three is a lot, but but he's you know probably the best defensive third baseman in the file, and I think he's still a pretty good hitter. You could trade yeah, him yeah. next off season for way more, I think, still than a comp A pick. You, you yeah, know, and, and I would probably and, and if I and if I decided to get rid of him, that's probably what I would do. Um, yeah. But I would, I would, but you know, there were all sorts of options on the table. And I just thought like two years, and for me, like I tend to prefer short term deals. I know there are people out there who like to take the money and spread it out as far as possible Mike. because in theory you can get, yeah, like Mike. Because in theory, financially, that works. You can spread it out more that way. But in terms of, I think, the way I would operate in Mogul as opposed to the way I would operate a real baseball team, I like the short-term deals because it gives you an ability to get out of things, makes it easier to trade them, or makes it easier to just let them expire if need be. Yeah, I think financially, financially in New York, you have the ability to pay a couple extra million a year and take the flexibility of a shorter contract. I mean, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> I just kind of thought it was curious. I didn't even thought about the trade idea that signing the two year gives you the trade option. So, yeah, maybe yeah. that was the smarter, the smarter move in the mm-hmm. long run. I just, you know, I I saw how expensive he was, and I know that that, you know, I'm thinking the same thing. I have a couple guys this year that are going to be up, and I'm trying to think of what I want to do with them as well. So, it's kind of yeah, I mean, that we're having having to actually make financial decisions. Like it seems like our finances finances have really gotten to that point where money right. matters a lot. So I know the number that sh- it shows for my payroll thing is really big, but realistically, um, if uh, unless I make a big run in the playoffs, the highest number I can really hold on that payroll is probably $160 million while breaking even. Now, yeah, I still have the flexibility to go a little bit over, a little bit under if I want to and build up money for the next things there, but that's not a ridiculous amount of money. Like, it's no, helpful, no. but, you know, Florida was spending that amount of money during their run. Uh, Peter, yeah. you and Washington spend close to that amount of money on your payroll in some seasons. It's not, it's not an unreasonable amount of money to put in, and uh, I think, yeah, I think I was a little bit nervous that 50% might have been squashing it out a little bit too much in terms of the market differences. Well, maybe for obvious reasons, but I think it's actually worked out pretty well. Yeah, it's over, it actually has worked better than I expected it to. I thought there were going to yeah. be more kinks in the long run that were going to have to get fixed, but I actually really like where things are at right now because you look at, you said, you know, once you take away the 40 million, it's like 40 million that you got docked, right? I think. Yeah, uh, 50, it um, a little, it, it's usually between 50 and 55, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, higher than yeah. I thought. Well, but it drops yeah. you down to 160, and you look at, like, me, for example, I pretty much have maxed out what Cincinnati's going to give me for uh, a budget, and I sit at about 130 with a new stadium. So yeah. I kind of like that, you know, that gap has been shrunk, and Tampa Bay is, you know, in a pretty good spot because of that, too, and um, I think it really has worked out well. I mean, you you can still spend like a drunken sailor if you want to. Oh yeah, relative sure. To a lot of teams, but uh, um, there's it, been plenty it, of years where I still had the money to go out and ruin free agency for everyone by just bidding on <laughs> right. every 
every relevant everyone, player every, at the same every, time. Everyone but Decker. Everyone but Decker. Yeah. <laughs> De- uh, just, I, I'm telling you, Decker just Googles my name in the free agency form and then just bids. He just bids a million more than whatever it is. Like, it's happened like four times, and I have to take it personally at this point. I have my own theory on Decker's free agency, but I will keep I kind of hope he is early. just trolling. If he is really just trolling you, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> I think he might. I think he's trolling everybody because half the guys, or not half, most of the guys he wins usually play AAA for like half the season. <laughs> so, it, yeah, I took it personally when he he got Lockhart hard from me, and I wanted him to hit 500, 500 home runs, and he sat him in AAA the whole year. <laughs> that really <laughs> very sad. Especially so, considering, like lit- you know, you had some offensive injuries, you could have definitely played Lockhart for a large portion of the year even if he wasn't a regular starter the whole time. And yeah. then though, just that, I think Lockhart finished with like 496 home runs. So Decker might have single-handedly denied him 500 home runs. Just for that, uh, I, I vote that we keep both Lockhart and Decker out of the Hall of Fame. I feel like, I feel like his, his maybe women's situations have ruined him. For FCM, like he's jaded now, and he's just out at the bar, just crushing white Russians every night, and doesn't give a. Sh- he like has his little phone app, and he looks like he's like, oh, these four guys have been signed or have been offered on first base, third base. Oh, these shortstops and second baseman. Okay, they're the top four guys on the list right now, so I'm gonna offer them all. That might be uh, that might theory, uh, Matt. He might just have pull it up on his phone. His phone won't load the whole the whole thread of 30 guys at one time, so he only sees those four guys. I mean, you don't want to have to scroll down on your phone. That's a pain in the ass, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's not as if it's just one easy motion that your phone just will even follow <laughs> I mean, through with you. Your thumb can well, only do so many things in life. I would like to hear that text sound effect that GD just used for Decker finding the list. That's what my phone does when I when I scroll down. It's not to make. So no, it doesn't. Say. He should he should he should be the replacement voice on like the New York City subway announcement. Let me let me hear your let me hear your Bing Bong. I don't know what that means. I've never been to New York City. Geez. I don't know what Bing Bong means. Is Maddie on the phone right now? Has he been on this whole time? <laughs> he, he he said he hears it better on his phone. So yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, he is literally yeah, lurking oh, yeah. in the bushes right now. Oh. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. I'm pretty sure everyone that listens to this will turn it off about 45 minutes ago, but that's all right. And then they'll be missing. They'll be missing the best part. I mean, it's not mogul. Well, it's been kind of mogul. We've mixed. We sprinkled it in there a little bit. We're like ESPN now. You know, we we do, you know, kind of sports, but then we kind we get into like subculture and other things that yeah. don't matter. For, for some reason, <laughs> and it's the Oscars. Like, what, what possible relevance could that have other than, I guess, one of their movies was nominated? <sighs> I don't want to get into a G because it makes me sad because I grew up with ESPN, like, being awesome. At least I thought it was when I was a kid, and now it's terrible. It's like Andy and Adam Sandler. Like, Adam Sandler was freaking awesome, yep. and now he's just upsetting. Yeah, hearing him sing about farting into his chair for five minutes the other night was uh, made the like twelve-year-old in me cry. That was that was so sad. 
Yeah. He and currently, what? Adam Sandler's still 12. Man, we have, to, we have to look back on all the funny movies Adam Sandler was involved in, like Happy Gilmore and Happy oh, Gilmore. Yeah. And, well, gee, uh, you were like... You were like probably three years old when these movies came out. <laughs> no, I mean I was. <laughs> I mean I would have been in elementary school when Gilmore, when Happy Gilmore came out. I was seven, I think, six or seven. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. We're, well, I I, re- I remember when ESPN was awesome. Like when Baseball Tonight used to be like a thing you'd watch every night because it was amazing. Oh, it was. And now, it, I, yeah, I don't think yeah. I've watched Baseball Tonight for maybe twelve years. It was it, it was great back in the day when uh, Keith o- when before Keith Olbermann uh, had the false idea to himself that people wanted to hear him do anything other than call highlights. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but he, after Keith Olbermann, there's a ton of dudes that were really pretty good. Like yeah. Rick Eisen was out there. Stuart Scott. Scott Stuart yeah. Scott. Um, Scott yeah. Manfield just started, you know, type thing. I mean, fuck, I'd, I'd rather listen to Brian Kinney than than half of these dudes on on now it's just yeah right i won't say i want harold reynolds back but you know it's getting to that point <laughs> well the women of espn certainly do not want harold reynolds back i can tell you that <laughs> i don't know that story but i kind of assume things i guess at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i don't know i i kind of do this like the harold reynolds days who was always with him was it crook yeah Kruk, peter gammon um, Peter Gammons, yeah. You know, I didn't even. I know D will hate this, but freaking uh, even when Phillips was out there, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's not let, let's not go crazy here, TB. <laughs> well, look, look at who's who's the GM now that's on there. That freaking what's his name? Jesus. Oh God, no, yeah, Jim Bowden, arguably the only yeah, general Jim manager Bowden. who's worse than Steve Phillips. Oh yeah. my God! Bowden, you know what I mean? Bowden yeah, is one dumb guy. Still, he yeah he like. How does he get paid money? Actually, that blows my mind. In fairness, so did so did Chris Berman for a long time, past the point where he was tolerable. Also, I know, and I love Chris Berman. Like NFL draft, this was back in like nineties. But now it's just it's just not good. This is not well, good. When, like it's been bad for a while. When you do the same thing for thirty five years, like <laughs> after about yeah. year eight, it's substantially less entertaining. <laughs> Right. True. True. You know, I get someone, that. and I think he has like genuine. I think he has like genuine talent. He just, you know, he just got lazy. Right. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I don't know. Do you think of? Could you imagine listening to Chris Berman on like a podcast now? Because that's what it is. These point at this point, you know, you have to do podcasts and all that other shit. I Wouldn't mean, surprise I would, me. I would kill myself. Well, Chris Berman podcast. I don't. I mean, uh, it's just sad. He he brings in like modern sports figures and then makes obscure references to bands from the 1970s that you know what they've never that part thought I about. Like. That part I, I like. That's not good any clicks. Uh, so uh, anyway, what the hell are we talking about right now? Dude? I can't wait for his plugs. Nobody circles the wagons like stamps.com. <laughs> You know it's coming, but it's going to be a local piece in Connecticut somewhere. Oh God! It's not going to be national. <laughs> Look, take your take your family down to to Hudson's Brist, Hudson's Greater Bristol Auto. <laughs> Pretty much something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You get paid like 15 G's and live the high life for a while. So 
That's all I got. I don't know. Anyways, does anyone else have any uh, baseball stuff, like FCM? <laughs> Where's Pete? Did Pete die? Is he alive still? I mean, he joined Maddie in the bushes. We have this pod, and it's an abrupt pod, and for a while, and then for all for some reason or another, it becomes the highest call-in rate of any pod we've ever had. <laughs> Thank you, everyone's enjoying this Saturday. One with two, yes. <laughs> we cracked the old record of one. <laughs> Shattered it. <laughs> oh, hey, how about this? Because I have the power to like turn this thing off. I think so. Yes. How about we uh, do some like, you know how like they do like 2020 uh, mock draft now these days? Let's before free agency starts or ends. Who? Give me your World Series contenders, everyone. Ooh, me. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, do it way well, too early. All right, my way too early National League World Series choice is I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's something. I know they haven't gotten a lot of attention, but there's something very interesting about the Cincinnati Reds. You know, some people might not say they have a ton of talent. I don't know. I think they're a contender. <laughs> Well, yeah, nice. And, and out the American League, I think um, I don't know. I think there's something about Houston that's been speaking to me, and I think Houston has a real shot out there. Um, and I would also maybe consider um, if, if we're talking about like a sleeper contender uh, with some good with, with a couple moves and a couple call ups. Tampa Bay, I think, could actually. Uh, could actually win the AL East and be a, and be a legit contender in the playoffs. I mean, and we see the year Jeremy Huey had. Holy crap! Yeah. I know that's ridiculous. He had a ridiculous well, year. Speaking of Tampa, is this Nate the Nate of FCM past or not? Because no one's ever told me yet. I haven't asked. I just saw him again here a couple minutes ago and was clearing up re-signing stuff with him, so I didn't ask yet. So I want to ask him. That's my question to him. Nate, wherever you're at. AC, AKC, Koopa Nate, whatever that was. Anyway. Oh, okay. it could be him, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but I didn't, I I didn't anyway. make that connection until now. Um, Petey. Uh, yeah, so on the, on the topic of... <laughs> Who are the playoff contenders? Uh, I'm just off the heels of, of working on the banner for FCM and it becomes in, in, uh, increasingly depressing. Uh, basically, filling in a new Cincinnati jersey year after year and having to write down 11 time World Series champion. Um, <sighs> so, yeah. so, so basically, uh, you have to sort of just pencil in Cincinnati until someone knocks them off, like the sort of a buzzsaw right now. Uh, for the American League, that's basically the only pick that's even interesting right now. Uh, I'm going to go with that, and I'm, I'm going to pick New York Yankees again. I mean, he's a Michigan State fan, you know this. And he has your style of loving right-handed power hitters as well. So, and he made some good moves this offseason. Because so he's, he's he traded for Roy Brumback. That's why you love it. Admit it. <laughs> that was part of the trade. You're like, you know what? If you're Pete, yeah, if you're on a pod, you have to say that I'm going to make the World Series to make this trade go down. 
feel like that's part of it. I don't know. Part of it. Part of it's just mm-hmm. like, like symbolic hope and hate. I don't know if symbolic is the right word. Just sort of token. Huh. Uh-huh. Peter, go find a thesaurus and then tell us what you're trying to say. Uh, yeah, I'm very confused at <laughs> what's happening. Like you're like cutting off words Not or something. Anything. I think I sounded coherent to start the pod, and then you guys put me to sleep um, talking about <laughs> sports and stuff like that. I didn't really give a shit, so I just told that. My brain hasn't really caught up again. All right, Andy, what do you think? I don't know. I'll I'll do the three best in each conference or each league. I mean, I think it's New York, Detroit, and Houston in the AL. It's one of those three. And in the NL, it's Washington, me, or Colorado, I, I think at this point. Although G is pretty close in that mix, too, but um, <clears throat> I would put Colorado just slightly ahead of him at this point. I know you're confused by my lineup in New York. You're like, yeah, how are they scoring runs? No one's, right. no one's hitting for power. This is a bunch right. of 280 hitters who were all no, no one over No one runs or hits the ball over the fence, and somehow you're the second highest scoring team in the league. I definitely don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I get why Look, Colorado we, scored a lot of runs because everybody in their lineup hit 20 home runs. But I, also, I they play in Colorado. Like, that would, well, that would that help too. them. That, yeah. that, that I, I don't isn't. know. I don't know. I, I decided to hire a hitting coach, um, the, the hitting coach of like the 1951 Brooklyn Dodgers, and I wanted to have like this new all-contact strategy. It appears to be working. It seemed like it seemed like you have like nine John Olerudes playing for you. Like that, There's nothing wrong. That. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. A team of nine <laughs> John Olerudes would, would would be incredible. I was trying I to think like of how much the New York area would be off the charts. I was trying to think of a far more contemporary. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, like half, kind of I think player. half the people listening wouldn't even know who John Olerud is. Probably. I, I couldn't think of anybody who's like a contemporary John Olerud. Probably uh, can't, can't run. Hits about three hundred. Hits about ten home runs a year. I guess the well, husk of you Joe know, First of all, you're. A, yeah, I was about to say you're a Twins fan. You know exactly who that person is. Stop yeah, the husk. Like he doesn't even Joe hit three hundred anymore, though. So right, I know our team hit three hundred. So like. Joe Mauer three years ago, I guess. Who was the first um, baseman that came up with the Dodgers and spent the year in Tampa? Oh, James uh, Loney. Yeah, yeah, yeah Loney. He did that like twice, maybe. You might as well say, "Freaking, who's the freaking first baseman for the Twins? Defensive guy, crazy last name." Oh, Doug Mankiewicz. Doug Mankiewicz. Yeah. He did it for like a year. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's he's like a whole bunch of Dougie Mankiewicz players in the New York Mets. Ready. That's what they are. It hurts. That hurts. It hurts. With career years. <laughs> yes. It hurts. You're like the mic. Yeah. The best Doug Mankiewicz ever. <laughs> Anyways. All right. The lady is home. I'm shutting this off. I have to pee anyways. So, any last thoughts as I walk to the computer? All right. I have a last thought. Uh, so, a little shout-out to Ross. Um, he retired this year, so rest in peace. This is sort of like a memoriam for Ross in Arizona. He's not dead. He's just, his wife's having a kid. Like, what? If he now. actually listens this far, I'll give him credit. That'd be, be amazing. Respectful. Be respectful. Well, if, if we're doing this, I will give Fred a shout-out because I just 
got on that and he said something. And if he goes this far and listens to this, he should he should get kudos for something. I will say that he has been better than I thought he would as a GM. And I enjoy <laughs> that he I enjoy that he gives Mike shit. So good. That was the John Olerud of praises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been better than I thought. I don't I don't know if I can even call that the John Olerud of praises. I think that's hey, like the he, odd zeal of that's more the I think, odd zeal of phrases. I'd say he's behind tech, or behind uh, what, whatever Toronto, what's his name, Texas Tornado. He's the second best uh, newest GM there is. No, I, I actually think Fred has improved like quite a bit in terms of his uh, decision making, and I think he, I, I think he's going to get um, an Oakland team uh, back to the World Series at some point soon. I I disagree with that part, but yes. That's all I got. I'm trying to think if there's anybody I don't think sucks as much as they used to that I would like to kind of backhand praise here at the end of the show. I can't really think of anybody that I could do that for. <clears throat> yes, sir, you don't you don't suck as much as I used to think you hey, suck. I didn't say sucked. I said I thought he was okay and now I think he's actually better than okay. Except he never trained. That's right. That, that's right, Fred. You've gone from a five to a seven in in uh, in GB's beer goggles general manager hey, mind. A lot remember of when women P- have made careers out of that. Remember when PR wanted to make shirts for the league? I'm pretty sure we just found our slogan to put on it. <laughs> right there. Uh, Might have to rewind the tape. What was that exact line? I think. We would like FCM. What was, what is, uh, I can't remember what you just said, GD. It's over. I don't know. I don't. I blacked out after that. <laughs> I will, what I will say is, uh, uh, what I'll say is, I have a suggestion to improve the league substantially. And I know it may sound no. controversial at first, but I think this will really help. I think if we're really going to see a team, uh, we really need two of the best general managers without a World Series to team up in one place. Because I really think if you put their minds together, you will either get a catastrophic explosion that will destroy the entire universe or a team that finally, finally breaks through. Peter, I'm talking to you. You need to team up with Mike Sweet. Oh, my God. Nobody knows what you're talking about here. I do. And it's like a mad scientist thing going on. Yeah. Really, the only question is, should we call you Meter or Pike? Like let's let's try to figure out what we should call you guys. Like meter, a, meter. Like a couple. Yes, absolutely, meter. <laughs> Pike is way too classy of a name for those two. Hmm. Well, I'm good with meter. I can make that happen. I would. That's another. That should be on the shirt. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Interesting. Anyone else? Anyone else? Before I, I have the girlfriend looking at me like I'm retarded. So <laughs> that's new. <laughs> and say, that's, by the way, in, in eight Saturday. minutes, yeah, in eight minutes, uh, Michigan Purdue playing ESPN two. If anyone wants to watch basketball, um, probably watch uh, Gophers Penn State. Better teams playing there. Oh, I wouldn't even. I, get, I I have a. Ta- I'd like to talk to, with you personally about that Michigan. Minnesota game the last five minutes, but I won't. Anyways, it's very upsetting to me. Um, any other hot takes? Pete, Pete, one more. Pete, lead us out with a hot take. 
Uh, I've got nothing. Dude. I'll give up. Okay, I mean, you're embarrassing. That's all right. <laughs> okay. You know, well, I, I really just sort of shut things down when it came to, like, the, the co-GM with Mike thing. I mean, I'm just not interested in that. That's just ridiculous look, talk. Look, em, 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 embrace, embrace meter. It's your destiny. <laughs> <sighs> Does, do you push end or terminate to do this ending? Uh, I think you hit end, and then I think it's good. Then it's going to pop up with something. It's like, yeah, yeah Andrew. Yeah. All right. Well, that was lovely. How long did this well, go? I don't even know. Um, well, thanks for doing this, guys. Kind of a cool little no problem. extra. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that nope. we could bring some acceptable audio to the airwaves. Right. Yeah. And if it anyone's got, still listening, yeah. It definitely got legitimized after G and I joined, but it's good. <laughs> still fine. Appreciate it. I feel like people respect like the underground stuff that that artists do before it gets uh, mainstreamed. I think that's what Pete and I did. So uh, I mean, if you want to sell more more uh, listens, that's fine. But you know, if we want to sell more, content. if we want to sell more, I love meter T-shirts. <laughs> I mean, that could be a thing too. You could sell maybe three to four of those throughout the country. Oh, even better idea. Even better idea. Uh, oh, God. You. Peter and Mike team up together, GB, at the Montreal Expos. No, because I want the Expos. You really, you really want the Spos? I mean, I would never leave Detroit. Besides, if Montreal got was a thing here, I would go to Montreal. Oh, Andy, Andy, if yeah. if I decide if Tampa Bay is open, and I <clears throat> and you don't steal it from me, um. If I take Tampa Bay, can I move them to Montreal? You could, but Tampa, uh, Montreal's um, market is even worse than Tampa's. Yeah, but, I, but just the value, you know. <laughs> well, for one, Nate already took Tampa, so he's that oh, Tampa's off it. the docket for both of us. Damn it! Damn it! I wanted um, the Montreal. I wanted the Montreal Rays. I would have trolled GB by not changing the name back to the Expo. You know, if somebody actually did that with Montreal, I'd be cool with it. Um, because it's, you know, it's a classic team. It wouldn't have to change divisions around. I'd be cool with it. But um, just so you know, basically every other market but the ones we have sucks. And Mogul's terrible about that. Yeah, I wouldn't except care. if you just want to move a team to the suburbs with a higher – it seems like it seems like it doesn't look at the population of the city. It looks at the – So you He's can gone. move stuff to the nope. suburbs and you get an advantage like what Peter did with Washington. Yeah, that seems where you still get to take advantage of the population of the major metro area, but then you yeah. get the money of the suburbs as like an extra. Yeah, that's about the only way, but I don't know if Montreal has a suburb like that. No, they don't. Uh, at least they don't think so. All I know is that PR asked me about it like a decade ago in the game, and I looked it up, and he made like twenty or thirty million less playing in Montreal than he did in St. Petersburg. Yeah, and and Which I know I that, thought was um, preposterous. Yeah, and he also suggested Mexico City just because of the population, and I'm like, you have no like the 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 median income there is like an eighth of like a lot, a lot of major American cities. You get crushed. Plus, dealing with plus the your pitchers will have an ERA of seventeen and a half. Yeah. The the value to me would be every time I look at the file, I see the Expos uh, 
what do you call it? Logo? Logo. The right yeah, the, the, yes. the, the Aqua Fresh M. And that's all that would matter. And then I would yeah. just. Well, tell you what, you go ahead and go with Nate and see if Nate really wants that. Because if Nate wants to do it, I'm not opposed to it. We can try to make it work. No, I'm, I'm so, okay for now. This is more. This is this is this is more of a thought experiment here. But table, table right now, is open. So you I, know, I would make that happen. Now. You know what the thing that actually kept me there? Tampa, as it exists right now, is too good. It's already basically yeah. the team I would have there anyway. Like because I think I think PR finally finally read the. The, read the G Money instruction book to Mogul a minute ago, like uh, a couple seasons ago, and then just started getting all the pitchers I would get and I'll, and I'd get a ton of defense and just saw what happened. I would trade every one of those that. players. If I took yeah. Montreal and it was Tampa, I would trade them all. I would just burn it to the ground. <laughs> do my own thing. <laughs> I could I could see GB taking over the Montreal Expos and then ordering me after every draft to change the names of his players into, like, weird French names like Pepe Lamour and all kinds of other absurd things just so he could have hey, a true French Montreal experience. Up there. He, 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 would, he, he would have – he would change his latest trade acquisition to Brian La Iacona. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> all right, I think this is this is one for right. us. Yeah, yeah, it's over. Make sure, make sure your lady isn't packing things up in the in the process of this conversation. <laughs> She's wiping uh, stuff off the ground into a what is that called? A dust dustpin? A dust dustbin? Dust yep. Yeah. Oh, and we got one more news uh, that just happened in uh, FCM. Uh, Molinax peaked at a seventy-five. So. Well done, Miss. And great. Uh, I think great, yeah. great pick. I really hope we're still on the air for this. There we are, and now I'm pushing in, so everyone say goodbye. Two, three, one. Goodbye. Bye. Right. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.